Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, emotional intelligence is becoming more and more important in the world of business. But how exactly can it be developed and applied to improve the performance of managers and teams within your organisation? Justine McGrath from Proactive Coaching joins me now to reveal all. Justine, I want to talk to you about high-performance individuals and teams and how to nurture and manage them. But first, I'd like to hear a little about your own background. Well, I began proactive coaching. It was initially Equilibria Coaching, and I started it in 2008 when I qualified in, got a diploma in executive coaching. I was always fascinated by what makes people tick and how they behave, but I didn't really have the language um, for emotional intelligence at that stage, and emotional intelligence became a real fascination with me because it gave me the language for what makes people behave in a certain way and how they manage their emotions and how that can lead to either success or failure. And Justine, from your experience to date, what does make people tick? Many different things. But I mean, I do think that emotions and behaviours play a huge part in it. I think everything starts with the emotions. Um, and I mean, obviously, psychologists and neuroscientists will tell you all about the, how the brain has an impact on that. But I think our emotions really underpin everything. And it starts with self-awareness. That's how we improve. We start with learning about ourselves and learning about what how our emotions are driving us because emotions underpin everything and they drive the behaviours forward. So typically when you're working with an individual, why are they actually contacting you? So it could be a whole variety of reasons. Um, from a from a coaching point of view, it's usually lack of clarity. So it usually is could be that they, they're just looking for some clarity either in their life or in their career. How do they move forward? They're stuck and they're just looking for some clarity on how to move forward. It could be on an organizational piece that they're overwhelmed. A lot of people have been experienced overwhelmed with the pandemic and all of that. Um, and from an emotional intelligence point of view, it could be that they are looking to develop their self-awareness. So they know that there's something more that they want to get a clearer handle on their own emotions and behaviors and why they're behaving in certain ways or why certain emotions are triggering them, um, why they can't get past that. So it could be a whole variety of reasons. So when you start engaging with a new client at an individual level, what process do you bring them through? Proactive coaching, um, the ACT in proactive stands for assessments, coaching and training. So I'm an advanced practitioner of the EBW system, which stands for emotions and behaviours at work. And this is really business emotional intelligence, in other words, emotional intelligence in the workplace. So quite often I would recommend the EBW assessment as a starting point, and it measures the eight traits that predict success in the workplace. So these are things like decisiveness, motivation, adaptability, resilience, influence, and of course, self-awareness. So we would start with the assessment and um, they would take the assessment, which takes about 20 minutes. And then we would um, go on to do a consultation, which is about um, 90 minutes. We would go through the results of the assessment um, and then we'd work on what are the traits that they want to look at in more detail, which are the ones that they might need to develop or where they're having some issues um, and which are the ones that they're really strong in as well, because it's also really important to lean into your strengths. And we've always believed that our traits are very much connected to our DNA and very, very hard to change. So talk to me about the process that you bring your clients through in terms of nurturing those traits and making the improvements that your clients want to make. 
Yeah, well, I suppose really, I I have a very strong belief, and I mean, it has been, it has. I mean, Goldman, Daniel Goldman, who wrote the book on emotional intelligence, would say, and all the advocates for emotional intelligence would say that unlike IQ, e you know, EQ, emotional quotient, or emotional intelligence can definitely be developed. So we can definitely nurture these traits. We can definitely change. We're not stuck um, in a, in in these particular traits. So you can take something. So. Again, say, for example, let's just take, for example, motivation. If somebody is really demotivated, it's just about getting to the root cause of that. So what is causing them to feel demotivated? What motivates them and what demotivates them? So we all have aspects of our work or our career that we're not particularly fond of, but it's looking at the bigger picture. So what's your purpose here? What's your vision? And how can you get yourself motivated to look at that? The pandemic has caused lots of new challenges for business owners and managers right across the world. Areas like stamina and resilience were so important during that period. What's your advice to people in terms of how they could become more resilient in that regard? Yeah, resilience is massively important. And as you say, particularly at these times, and I think particularly with people moving to this sort of hybrid, well, it was initially all working from home and now it's sort of becoming this hybrid model. And We've had to deal with a huge amount of change. And I think challenge brings resilience. So in order to to become more resilient and to to build your resilience muscle, it's really important to face up to challenges. So it's about doing the opposite of sticking your head in the sand. If there's a problem, face up to it. And also communication, communication, communication. If I could say that to anybody who is leading a team, communicate with your team. Um, because that is the key thing to build resilience in them. Because if they're sitting at home feeling isolated or stuck or alone, it takes that, you know, it takes a team to come together and, and it's quite hard online. That's why we're facing these challenges. But resilience will come with facing challenges and with just, just taking one step forward. And of course, for anyone that's involved in managing a team today, they have to be proficient and knowledgeable in the area of emotional intelligence. So what's the starting point for a manager in that regard? So emotional intelligence is really the understanding of how your emotions and behaviours impact not just on yourself, but on other people. So where I would start with um, a manager or somebody leading a team is by looking at the intrapersonal and the interpersonal. So the intrapersonal is the self-management piece. So you have the self-awareness, which leads to the self-management. In other words, how are you behaving? Are you leading your team, you know, in, in the right way? Do you have awareness? that you are leading your team with, you know, with vision, with the clear identity um, and that you are not defensive or you are not, you know, leading in the that you are leading in the right way. That then leads to the interpersonal, which is how you work with other people. And that's the social awareness piece. So the organizational piece. So, in other words, if somebody in the team has gone very quiet what's going on there, you know, try and put yourself in their shoes, use empathy to try and connect with them. It's all about the relationship management piece. And empathy is a huge part of that. And it's not about, you know, being softly, softly or, or any, you know, or people say to me, oh, Justine, I haven't got time to be, you know, listening to everybody whinging. It's not about that at all. It's about saying, if this person is behaving in such a way, how can I work with them or try to understand them better so that they feel heard and they feel understood? Because when people feel heard and understood, they're much more effective. We all understand that the culture within the organisation is so pivotal to its overall success. But unfortunately, it just takes one person to have a major impact on that culture. So if, for instance, emotional intelligence isn't working with them, what's the next step? 
Well, so if I if I thought there was one person, or if there is one person in Oregon, and I know this can absolutely happen, then it can cause it can spread. There's a thing called emotional contagion, where all it takes is one toxic person or one person who's not engaged, and it can affect the whole team. So what I would actually do in that sense is, for me, there's no after emotional intelligence. It is emotional intelligence, but it would be about getting the rest of the team to try and understand where that one person is coming from, show empathy to them and try and understand how they can also support that person. Now, if I can't get through to that one individual, you know, that's that's a different, I, I believe that there's always a way, there's always a way to communicate because you you can always get to the root cause, cause if, you, if you delve deeply enough. Um, and it often is just a case of, you know, letting them be heard that there will be something, you know, what some sort of blockage or, you know, defensiveness or concern. And often when they feel heard, that's all it takes. Over the past 13 years, you've had the opportunity to work with lots of individual managers and business owners. But what's the one commonality that you've seen run across that thread over the 13 years? That's a very good question. I suppose the one commonality is that people who begin to understand the importance of self-awareness will always get better. So I find that really high-performing teams have that understanding of the importance of identity and the importance of their self-awareness. And when they have that important, when they have that understanding, that's when they go from, from good to great or from great to excellent. And of course, on the topic of teams, you do lots of work as well, not just with individuals, but with teams within organisations. Mm-hmm. So what are the drivers that predict success in that respect? So, yeah, with the EBW, we measure, we have a team assessment that measures six of the drivers that predict success in a team. And they are vision, trust, identity, communication, commitment and working together. Um, and for me, the three most important ones out of that list would, well, they're all, they're all actually important, but I, I always start with um, trust and then move on to identity and vision. Because I think if you can get those three things, if, if there is trust in the team, they're going to work together towards a, sh- a shared goal or purpose, and they're going to be very clear on their identity. And that, for me, is a high-performing team. And of course, managing high performance teams, some people will say can be quite challenging. What are your tips in that regard? Uh, well, again, I think that if, if the person is managing a high performance team, they will, again, be they will have very good leadership qualities um, because they don't get to manage a high performance team without having really good leadership qualities themselves. So I think tips for manage the, managing them is to keep that trust alive. Always ensure that there is trust between the team. I think when trust breaks down, everything breaks down. And this can happen particularly when a team grows and new people join the team. It's really important to ensure that new people are embedded in the team really, really well because that can actually cause the breakdown of the team. But I think communication and trust is really important. Start there would be my advice. There's often conflicts between different departments within organisations and in some cases you can have teams that are cross-functional and cross-departmental where trust can often be an issue in that regard. How do you overcome that? That's a really good question, actually. And funny enough, I was only reading about this the other day. This is a big problem, actually, particularly and obviously in large organisations and with cross-functional teams. I think what needs to happen again there, I mean, as simple as it sounds, it genuinely does boil down to communication. And often often what it is about is just getting those two, you know, getting the teams to communicate with each other. So having a meeting together and seeing that, you know, okay, even though we might be, 
doing different things or we might be working on different things. There's no reason why we can't support each other. And it's about ironing out those issues. Over the past 16 months, leaders and managers have been tasked with a new concept of the world of work. How have the successful leaders adapted their styles to address this new situation? It's been very challenging for them, and, I, and I'm not sure that all of them have, have quite managed it, but I think they're, they're doing their very best in very difficult situations. And again, I think the key to this has come down to communication. It's been checking in with their employees. So if people are struggling to work from home or they're struggling with the technology, it's just about being, being you know, checking in with them, making sure that they're all right, and also setting up you know, social events online. I know there was at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of uh, quizzes and a lot of people getting together and, and just doing something outside of the work day that, that was a bit more of a social element. So I think making, again, making people feel part of the community, part of the team, part of the organisation, that they're not sitting at home in their office isolated, that they're part of something and that they matter. I think it's just, it's, that's what the good leaders have been doing. And finally, Justine, are there any learnings that managers should take from this period and apply it to the office when they eventually return? Well, I would say get clear, get very, very clear on what your vision is and remember the elements of trust and communication. For me, looking at trust and communication. So when people come back to the workplace, you know, I was talking to somebody and they were saying, oh, sure, when we're in their office, sure, we're hardly ever talking to each other anyway. Everybody just sits isolated and they get on with their own work. You know, it shouldn't be like that. So, you know, organize events where you're getting together. A lot of people said to me over the past couple of years, I'm really missing the water cooler moments. You know, just that bit of chat about what's going on in the world. And, and you know, Irish people are a very sociable lot. We love to chat. And I think, you know, ensuring that employees have that ability to just communicate and to have a bit of have a bit of fun as well. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Justine McCarthy from Proactive Coaching. And I'd like to thank Justine for sharing her insights into the growing importance of emotional intelligence in the workplace. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.